We're looking at these core values this morning that we've established as values that we want to see lived out and fleshed out in our lives and in the lives of the people that we influence. And um, we've designed them around this acrostic for the name of Christ. We've talked about compassion two weeks ago. Compassion is so important. Honor, last week. Today we're going to talk about responsibility, and then we're going to look at communion next week, and then we'll come back and talk about inspiration, scripture, and truth. I want to mention and say to you that those are a set. You won't reflect Christ very well if you just focus on one or two of them. Or if just one or two of these things are are of value to you. The Pharisees were very good at being responsible people. But they lacked almost every one of these other categories. (laughs) They they were just responsible. (laughs) And you know what Jesus thought of them. He didn't rank them very high on the totem pole. Um, They were not his best friends. They did not represent Christ very good. He was not a fan of the Pharisees. So you and I, we have this responsibility as Christians to represent Christ in a broad area of our life through a number of characteristics. I grew up watching my, and I don't know, I always had a fascination with my grandpa's windmill. And of course, he had that built and had the cistern built in the days before they had electricity. And so when the wind blew, they had water. And if it didn't blow for too long, which doesn't happen in South Dakota very often, um, they didn't have water. (laughs) But, and, and so that's why you had the cistern, the big cistern to collect the water for when the wind didn't blow. But anyway, he also had with that the old wood watering tank with wood staves all the way around held together by metal bands. Now we all have these aluminum watering tanks today, but in those days there were wood watering tanks. And, you know, if you didn't keep the, the wood wet, if you didn't keep the tank full, pretty soon they would dry out and water would leak out between the wood staves all the way around. Well, I want you to imagine that a little bit different. If you cut some of those staves down, where would the water rise up to? Only the top of the lowest stave in that watering tank. So, for example, if the Christ uh, acrostic um, was a watering tank and had these wood staves on it, if compassion is your lowest stave, your level of representing Christ well only rises up to the value, to the height of your lowest stave. And if that's compassion, that's all the further you're going to represent Christ. Your reflection of Christ will only rise to the, the level of your lowest stave in your life. Now, having said that, none of us are perfect. 
<laughs> None of us are always going to be able to value and, and keep all six of these things at, at the absolute height. <laughs> because God has made us and wired us all different. But we do want to pay attention when, when there's some area of our life that is just really not reflecting Christ well. And, and we want to work on that and improve that some. Honor and responsibility. Last week's sermon and this week's sermon are somewhat similar in that you won't have honor unless you have a certain amount of responsibility built into your life. So responsibility is necessary to honor. But honor is more about who you have become as a person. It's your reputation. It's your integrity. Responsibility is more about what you are faithful to do and how you do that. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we just come before you and we just ask, Lord, that you would guide the words of my mouth. I pray, Father, that you would speak through the various scriptures that are brought up this morning, that your spirit would speak to us in regarding the things that we need to hear in our own lives. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would encourage us and build us up in the most holy faith as we pursue representing you in the world in which we live. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do we define responsibility? Well, the dictionary defines it as a course of action. So it's something you do that is demanded of us due to our position, a custom, or expectations, law, or religion. Other words for responsibility include commitment, duty, obligation. And so a responsibility is a a duty to deal with something and it's usually a responsibility to someone. It is authority. It can be freedom and influence and power. That's the positive side, a positive side of responsibility. Um, we all influence everything that we are involved in through our responsibility or through our lack of responsibility. In other words, if I'm not responsible in what I'm supposed to be responsible, I'm still influencing. It's just not a good influence. Or if I'm being real responsible, I'm being a good influence in the area in which I'm supposed to be responsible for. So one of the other things, responsibility is often freedom or permission to do something that other people may not be able to do or may not be authorized to do. And so when we have a responsibility, we need to look at that and say, man, this is a special freedom I have. Other people don't have this responsibility, this, this power or freedom to be able to do this. Responsibility also makes us accountable for certain outcomes in our life. I want you to think about responsibility in the scripture. We've been going through the book of Genesis before this series, and we looked at the life of Joseph. Now, Joseph was one of those characters who was responsibility plus. <laughs> His whole life was about 
mastering responsibility. Remember he was at home? He's the 11th child out of 12, and his father put him in charge of all his older brothers, (laughs) who were stepbrothers. That's how responsible he was. I mean, he just, he mastered responsibility. They, they send him off, sell him into slavery, and he goes to Potiphar's house. And what does he do at Potiphar's house? He proves himself so responsible that Potiphar puts him in charge of his house. <laughs> and then Potiphar's wife acute, falsely accuses him. He ends up in prison. And you think, well, this has got to be the end of responsibility for Joseph. But no, he proves himself so well in prison that the prison warden puts Joseph in charge of the prison <laughs> that where he's a prisoner. So Joseph is, is a model of responsibility. Now in the book of Numbers, chapter 4, verse 27, God tells Moses to assign the Gershonite clans their duties at the tent of meeting. And God also told Moses that those Gershonites would be responsible to Ithamar, the priest, which was Aaron's son. So I want you to see there, the Gershonites have a responsibility for something. They're responsible for the tent of meeting, but God also tells them exactly who they're responsible to. So normally, if you and I have a responsibility, it is for something, but you also need to know who you're responsible to in that. Numbers 18, verses 1 through 6, God speaks to Aaron, and he says that he and his family are responsible for the sanctuary. Aaron was to bring the Levites around him to help him, and they would be responsible to Aaron. But Aaron was told that if they went after if they went near the um, sanctuary then they would die and so that was Aaron's responsibility is to let the Levites help him but not allow them to get near the sanctuary and God told Aaron also that the Levites were a gift to him dedicated to the Lord's work so from that passage in Numbers we learn that Aaron was responsible to God the Levites were responsible to Aaron The Levites were accountable for their actions. In other words, if they got too close to the sanctuary, it was death for them. And fourthly, that Aaron was to view the Levites who were responsible to him as a real gift from God. 1 Chronicles chapter 15 verse 22 talks about Kenaniah, the head Levite. And he was in charge of singing. When the Israelites would go out, he was the one that led them in singing. And it says that was his responsibility because he was skillful at it. So a responsibility is something that we should, um, oftentimes we want to try to match up as well as we can our responsibilities with what we are good at, with what we're gifted at. And that's what happened here. But it is also something that we also want to spend most of our time working to improve at. There's not much sense working to improve something that you're just not very good at. You can spend a lot of time and get nowhere. So instead, spend most of your time improving in the areas where you're already naturally gifted, uh, like, like Ken and I was. 
Then you move on and you go to the book of Jonah. And remember Jonah was responsible to God to go to Nineveh and preach. And Jonah didn't want to do that. <laughs> Jonah turned and he, he said, I'm going to get as far away from there as I can. He got on a ship headed for Tarshish. And on the way, God sent this big storm. And even the sailors knew this isn't normal. This is not the kind of storm that normally happens out here on the sea. And so they came to Jonah and they said, come, let us cast lots and let's find out who's responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots and the lot fell to Jonah. And so they asked him, tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? <laughs> what kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? And what is your country? And what people, uh, from what people are you? And so they looked at Jonah and they said, you know, who's responsible for this? And Jonah had to tell them, I'm responsible. I'm disobeying God. And the only way you're going to save uh, your lives is to throw me overboard. Well, they, they didn't want to do that, but finally they had to throw him overboard. And that's when God sent the, the whale to come and swallow him whole and, and alive and and then the whale spit him out, and, and finally he goes to Nineveh and preaches where he doesn't want to preach at. But you see, Jonah had a responsibility to God. And in the end, uh, after a lot of fighting with God, Jonah submitted and fulfilled his responsibility. In Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, you have the early church. And the apostles... Can you imagine? They were pretty busy. They had a lot to do. There was a lot on their plate. And one of the responsibilities that had kind of got left behind in the middle of all their other responsibilities was the Meals on Wheels program. There were Grecian widows who were not being cared for. They were poor widows, and, and their needs just simply weren't being taken care of in the church. And they started to complain. And they decided that the apostles got together and they said, well, our most important responsibility is praying and knowing and studying and preaching God's word. We can't do everything. And so they chose seven other men who were full of the spirit and full of wisdom to run the Meals on Wheels program so they could focus on prayer and the ministry of the word. And so even though they couldn't fulfill that responsibility, they took the responsibility to find someone else who could and put them in place and, and make all of that happen. Now, I want to talk to you, the remainder of my time here this morning, I want to talk to you about eight principles of responsibility. The first one is this. All of us, our entire lives, are responsible for things and to people. We just, we can't avoid that. Um, it, and because of that, one of the primary responsibilities we have with young people, with children, with youth, is, is to teach them how to be responsible. Because certainly the worst thing we can do to our children is to throw them out when they're 18 into a world where they're supposed to be responsible and they haven't been trained to be responsible for that. And so that's always a, a challenge there. But one of the other things related to this whole thing that our life is about responsibility, Chuck Palantnik said, find joy in everything you choose to do. 
Because every job, every relationship, every home, it's your responsibility to love it or to change it. Because there's responsibility everywhere we go. Zig Ziglar said, though I'm not, though I'm not always responsible for what happens to me, I am responsible for how I handle what happens to me. The second principle that I want to mention this morning is that everything we acquire adds responsibility. John D. Rockefeller, who was a man who had a lot of things that he had acquired, a lot of wealth over the course of his life, he said every right implies a responsibility, every opportunity an obligation, and every possession a duty. So this is what I want to say with that. That means that simplicity can de-stress your life of some responsibilities. The more stuff that you and I acquire, and we're, you know, most of us are good Americans, so um, we're pretty good at acquiring. <laughs> That's kind of what we do here in the, in the United States. And, and I'm no better than anyone else. <laughs> we just keep acquiring. But the more stuff I acquire, the more responsibilities I add onto my plate. Because every time I buy something, I have to take care of something. And the more things I have, the more time it takes and the more resources and the more money it takes to take care of the things I have acquired. Which takes away time and resources I have to fulfill other responsibilities that may be more important in the long scheme of things. So one of the things I have to do in my life is figure out, okay, can I have this and really take care of it and still fulfill the major responsibilities in my life like caring for my family, being there for my spouse, those kind of things, the things that are most important in my life. There is a point at which, as Americans, we can acquire so much stuff and have so much stuff, we don't have time for the most important responsibilities that God has given to us in life. The third principle is this. You and I are responsible for our choices. Now, we always like to blame others, and make others responsible for the choices that we made. Remember Adam and Eve? <laughs> Adam sins, he eats the apple, and, he says, and when God confronts him, he says, the woman you put here, the woman you gave me, she's the one that told me to eat it. <laughs> he t- didn't take any responsibility at all. God goes to Eve, and she says, the serpent... The serpent told me to do it. <laughs> he took no responsibility. And, and that's the thing with responsibility. When we fail in responsibility, our natural inclination is to blame someone else because we didn't fulfill our responsibility well. John Maxwell says that at the beginning, 
you and I make our choices. But as time goes on, our choices make us. Eventually, we have to live with the results of the choices that we have made. Brett Hume says, winners take responsibility, losers blame others. The fourth principle is this. Prove if you want responsibility, and there, there are sometimes those times in our life when we actually are looking for some responsibility. But to receive responsibility, we have to prove ourselves trustworthy. Responsibility means that people can count on me to do what is expected of me. Joseph, again, did that very well. In Potiphar's house, he did that in prison. He just proved himself trustworthy, and he was given responsibility. In Luke chapter 19, verse uh, 17, there was the man who went away, and he called ten of his servants to him, and he gave them each a talent, and he told them to take care of it until he got back. Well, one man went with his talent, and he came back with ten more. Another man went, and he came back with five more, and, and another one comes back, and he says, I just have the talent. I went out and buried it. I hid it, and here it is. Well, the man gave the man with the ten talents ten cities to rule over. The man with the five talents, he gave him five cities to rule over. And, and the lesson there is that if we want responsibility, we have to prove ourselves responsible. Winston Churchill said, the price of greatness is always responsibility. We will never become great if we are not responsible. Mike Strutman said, every person who has changed the world has taken responsibility for something that mattered not just to them, but to all mankind. The next responsibility, the fifth, res- uh, fifth principle this morning is that responsibilities are best when they are appropriate to us, to our maturity, to our gifts, to our talents, to our abilities. When I was a school administrator, um, one of the, that's one of the lessons that every teacher has to figure out. What Am I expecting of my students, and is it age-appropriate? Is it appropriate? Because it's sometimes age-appropriate for one student in the classroom, and it's not appropriate for another student. They're, you know, because everyone's at a different level and all of that. And so you have to figure out the responsibilities that I'm assigning. Are they appropriate? You don't turn and give a child who's five a checkbook and say, keep this balanced. That's not responsible for you to do. Uh, It's not something that's age-appropriate for that child. And so every one of us, we have to, when when we take responsibilities, we have to remember, am I taking responsibility that is really appropriate to my abilities, to my gifts and talents, to my maturity, all of that? And when you give out responsibilities, are you giving them out to someone for whom they are appropriate according to their gifts and talents and abilities, according to their maturity and their wisdom and all of that. The sixth principle is this. To be responsible means that I have the discipline to protect myself from overcommitment. 
so that I can be responsible in the things that matter most. This is another area where especially responsible people have a, have a problem with. Because so often, if you become responsible, everyone else loves to dump responsibilities on you. That's kind of just the way things are. If you're a responsible person, everyone looks at you and says, man, you'd be a great person to do this. And you'd be a great person to do that. And pretty soon you are so overwhelmed with all the responsibilities people have laid on you that you are no longer able to be responsible. The very trait they recognized you in to start with. So the key to being responsible is to have the discipline to protect yourself from overcommitment and not taking on more responsibilities than you can handle well. The more responsible you become, the more people will push, over, push responsibilities on you until they just simply overwhelm you. So again, if, if responsibility is one of your high staves in life, you need to make sure that you overprotect your you protect yourself from overcommitment. You have a responsibility to say no to a lot of things you can do. So that you can do the things that are most important and do them well. The seventh principle is this. God occasionally will put some responsibility on you that is really going to stretch your heart, your abilities, your gifts, your talents, and all of that. Be careful about letting people do that. But God in his infinite wisdom knows exactly where you and I need to be stretched at. And God occasionally will come along and give us a responsibility that is just a little bit beyond us, or sometimes it may seem like it's a long ways beyond us. And he will do that. And, and for one thing, it's necessary in our lives. Because if we go through our lives without God putting some responsibilities that are, are really bigger than we are, we will never really become dependent on him. We will never run to him for the extra help. We need to be, continu we need to be continually rolling the burden of responsibility back to God and trust him to be for us what we cannot be for ourselves. And so responsibility... Um, also means that sometimes we will accept a responsibility from God that's just a little bit outside of our comfort zone to allow God to stretch us and mold us and shape us. And the last principle is this. You and I are ultimately responsible to God for everything in life. Now, we talk about sin. There's two really broad definitions of sin. There's sins of omission. That means that there are things that we did not do that we should have done. 
and we're responsible and accountable to God for those things. There are sins of commission, sins of action, things that we did do that we should not have done. (laughs) And we are accountable to God for those things. But when we talk about being responsible to God for everything in our lives, it is good for us to remember three different things this morning. It's good for us to remember that it is ultimately up to God when we give other people responsibilities and they don't fulfill them very well. It's ultimately up to God to judge that person and take care of that. And we can leave that responsibility to him. That doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable. Aaron had to hold, you know, the Levites accountable and all of that. We hold people accountable. But we remember that the responsibility of judgment and all of that is, is ultimately in God's court. Secondly, it's good for us to remember that it is ultimately up to God to judge each one of us. And that means, and that's so freeing, actually, because I don't have to live my life, and you don't have to live your life always under the judgment of other people around you. Because that's God's place. And there's going to be days when people aren't happy with me, and there's going to be days when people aren't happy with you, and we can learn from those things, but we don't take condemnation or judgment for those things. We just, you know, take responsibility, learn from them, and go on. But we can leave judgment to God. And the only person I, I, I really ought to be concerned about, whether he's pleased or not with me, is God. And sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a people pleaser. I've really had to really zero in on this because I, for so many years of my ministry, man, I would tell one person one thing and tell someone else another thing just because I knew what they both wanted. And, and there was no integrity at all of that, you know. Um, and, and so I had to come to the place in my life where I thought, you know, the only thing that really matters is that God is happy. And so when we talk about you and I are being responsible to God. That's something that frees us up from the um, always feeling like we're completely responsible and accountable to all the people and all the different opinions around us. We need to live to please Him and Him alone. The third thing is, is that it's good for us to remember that there is a difference between God's judgment of us and God's judgment of our actions. Now I want you to hear, I'm, I, I want you to hear very clearly these verses. Romans 14, 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Hebrews 4, 13, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. 1 Peter 4, 5. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Every one of us is responsible to God and there's coming a day that we will have to give an account of ourselves to him. At the same time, 
that you and I have this relationship with God and, and um, we're responsible to him, you need to know that when God sends a spirit of conviction to us over something we're doing that prepares us for this judgment day that's coming, we also need to know that God's judgment of us is, is separate and different from that judgment. And, and what I'm saying there is simply this. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that we might not perish. And he did that while we were yet sinners. And, you know, God knows me better than anyone in the world, including my wife. He knows how prone I am to sin. He knows what I could have become. And God still loved me. And he still loves me. And, and that's a conviction that you and I ought to have every day of our lives, even on the worst day of our lives, in terms of the way we've conducted ourselves, the way we've lived and all of that. We need that core conviction in our lives. We need to know that there's coming a day we're going accountable to God for our actions. But you also need this conviction in your life that God is a God who sees you and knows you and loves you.